Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Well, hello, and welcome back to Ayers on the Road. We are in not sunny Hawaii. <laughs> it's raining today like crazy, but it's beautiful. The nice thing about the island of Maui, as some of you know, is that if it's raining on one part of the island, don't despair. Just go for 10 minutes to the other side, and it will be sunny. So, um, it really is gorgeous no matter what. Yeah, we are going to go over the other side. Um, Richard has found some tennis people to play with, and I found a great beach over there. And, and a mall. And a mall, <laughs> which I don't spend much time there. But anyway, it really is um, so fun to be here close to two of our families. Uh, we have our son who's lived here for many years and his wife and five, five well, four children now, their oldest daughter just left for college. And, uh, well, she didn't actually go to college. <laughs> she <laughs> uh, got accepted at Columbia and she's been sitting in St. George, Utah on a computer for um, <laughs> half the year and is gonna keep going until she's, the end. She's years attending, over. attending Columbia in New York City while she's in St. George. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. And then we have another family who came to Hawaii on their way to Japan, and COVID happened, and everything shut down. There's no way they could get in, and they like it so much that they've stayed here because they're working online. They and were marooned. They left Manhattan just before it, the, the, the pandemic really hit there, and they got to Hawaii on their way to Japan, and then they got marooned here and had to stay here. What, a, what oh. a terrible thing. Yeah, that's really <laughs> sad for them, but they absolutely love it. They have three little kids. Um, let's see, Zara's eight and six and three, almost two and a half. Yeah, but. yeah, that's pretty exciting. Well, we thought we would just um, give a little agenda. So we know some of you are faithful listeners, and you have this on your podcast app. Aren't podcasts great, Linda? We are into podcasts, and we're grateful to those of you who have ours on the road on your list. And we have been, for the last several weeks, months even, telling stories. And let me just, I thought it would be fun to review this, Linda. Last week we told some celebrity stories, and the week before that was opposition stories. I'm just flip, flipping back through my podcast app. Profit stories, part one and part two. Good riddance to 2020 stories. Christmas stories, part one and part two. Travel stories, part one, two, and three. Um, election stories, wow. parts one and two. Prayer stories. Um, extended family stories, summer stories, joy school stories, England stories, ancestor stories, baby stories. We did that while we were in London waiting for our twin babies. Book stories, prayerful parenting stories. Um, and I think that was about as far back as the stories oh, theme went. That went pretty far back. That went I pretty can't far believe back. that. And then we're, we're going to move on in a couple of weeks to kind of a new theme of the state of the family around the world and how some parts of the world are more family-centric than others and how what, what, are the, what, are, what are the data points that separate 
functional and dysfunctional families. We, we have a really good friend who heads the Institute for Family Studies at the University of Virginia, and they, they produce some remarkable um, <coughs> outputs and articles. And in a couple of weeks, we're going to start spending some time on what some of their findings are. But for this week and next week, we're going to tell a kind of story we really haven't told very much in the past, and we're going to call it spiritual stories. And Linda, when, when, when listeners hear the word spiritual, what do you think the reaction is? Well, I think most of our listeners have their ears set up because they are involved in a spiritual journey. But uh, whether it is for a, a religion, and we are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which you know, but there are hopefully listeners who are not and who are on a, a, a journey to find God in their own way. And so I think that um, the interesting thing is, what is it? Uh, uh, Ten years ago, it was 95% of the world believed in a higher... Well, no, I, the, the, st- the statistics we have are for the U.S. And um, Oh, yeah. You know, what's interesting about the numbers on public opinion polls, um, upwards of 90% on some polls, the lowest I've seen is around 80%, who say they are, who describe themselves as spiritual. In other words, they have some belief in a higher power. They have some belief in something beyond this world. But on those very same polls, only about 40% of people describe themselves as religious. Yeah, I think that's interesting. It's a little, yeah. it's a little uh, I think, unfortunate that religion as a term has become something people don't want to use in describing themselves, and yet they will describe themselves as spiritual. Um, I do have to say that with the traveling we've done, and I'm actually doing a travel journal right now of our journeys through the world, and it's been a lot. We've been around the world about four, five times. Well, um, we've done around the world tours four or five tours. times. And it has been quite astonishing. And I can say in the Muslim world, I think the percentage is higher for spiritual people. I mean, they're also religious, but they are they certainly believe in a higher Well, a and, higher and, power. and Hindus are very, very spiritual yes, people, of as we know from our favorite place in the world is Bali and it's one of the most yes. spiritual places on earth. And Sikhs, we love the Sikhs, they're amazing people it's a culture that's beyond what we can imagine and it is really quite amazing how much of the earth still does believe in a higher power. And so when we say spiritual stories what does that bring to your mind? I mean, I would guess, Linda, that every... I, wouldn't it be wonderful if this if podcasts were two-way and we could actually talk back and forth and ask you, what, what, is, your, what is your most memorable spiritual story? What, what, can you tell us a story of a time when you were aware of a spiritual presence or when you had a spiritual experience or when you... Had something happened to you that was beyond your five senses and so on? And I would, I would think everyone, almost everyone, in thinking about that for a while would be able to come up with a, a story or two. And I guess that's the reason that 80 to 90% of Americans, I don't have the numbers for the rest of the world, would say, 
I am a spiritual person. Right. I, I totally agree. I just, I think it is such a, a good thing, really, it's a healthy thing to think that there is somebody that's not guiding you, but there for you all the time and guiding you a lot, too. Um, because it is, um, it's something you can't put your hands on, you can't, but it's something that's as real as the rain that I'm looking at out there. Um, just kind of pouring down on us all the time, and it's a matter of how well do we hook in to that, that spirit, that sense. And the hooking real. in, the hooking in that you're talking about in most people's minds would connote prayer. And that's another thing that, that, that most Americans, a high majority of Americans, say that they do pray. Not regularly in some cases, but that prayer is, does play some role within their lives. And that's where that connection and that effort to connect to the spiritual comes in. Well, um, I, I have to say that we had a call yesterday. We're calling, I'm, we're calling once a week with all our daughters and daughters-in-law, and there's eight of them. Four daughters, four daughters-in-law, which is fun. And that's and, during uh, the week, and then on Sunday we do a Zoom call with all of our children. Right, but what I'm saying is that yesterday when we talked to I these women... I didn't want women, people to think we were leaving out our sons. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, so on... But we kind of have been, but we just discovered... Well, you have. We just discovered that we needed to really... And they discovered, the kids said, hey, we want to hear from the boys too. But anyway, so it really is uh, was an amazing call yesterday because... We talked about um, prayer and the importance of prayer and how to do prayer. And I mean, it was just one of the topics that came up. Um, but we kind of decided together that we were going to uh, have n not only do our prayers, but have prayer notes. And so go in with a specific idea and then pray about it and then just listen and see what happens as far as distilling. This is what I should do. And this and this morning it was just one thing, one child that needs help. And that so, came that came into your mind, right? And you had a pen in your hand, and you made a note. It, it is interesting. Prayer prayer notes is something we've talked about for a long time in our family, and it's so it's so logical. I mean, if you were going to talk to some great guru or some great philosopher or some great prophet you would not want to go in there and listen without some way to record or take notes or remember what what he said and so wouldn't the same apply to god and and having a pen in your hand and a piece of note paper when you pray is a powerful thing it really is and we were we went to that because we were talking about this <clears throat> book called atomic habits and we all agreed that one of our habits was prayer, but that we were pretty spotty. I mean, as, and as you probably feel the same, I don't know. Maybe you're you're way far way ahead of us, but it really was interesting to. What talk do you mean about spotty? It. You mean your well, prayers are you know, just better some days than others? I have to say that we pray every <clears throat> night, but not every morning. I mean, sometimes the world gets in the way and so on. Well, we know. pray together at night and in the morning we usually pray separately, but maybe we should, I mean, you can't have well, too yeah, much. Well, right? whatever, but, but it was really interesting to have a discussion and realize that prayer is probably a habit that is important. Well, actually, that leads to the first spiritual story I wanted to tell, and then I mentioned it briefly on, on this show before, but while I was a missionary for our church, we happened to live in the same building as our supervisor, a great, great 
mentor of mine. His name was Bernard Brockbank. And the story is very simple, and we have told it before, but I wanted to lead into these other stories that uh, one night he came and knocked on our door, and my companion and I wanted to pray with us. And we invited him in and, and knelt down together, and he asked me to say the prayer. And while I was praying, I could hear someone riding, and I thought it was my companion. I thought, what's going on? And when I ended my prayer, it was this great Elder Brockbank that was riding, and he'd filled up a whole side of a legal page with notes. And as he was leaving, he said, you probably wonder what I'm doing riding. He said, well, my memory's not always perfect, and I find when I pray, if I don't take notes on what God says to me, I tend to forget some of it. And it's the first time I remember thinking, wow, to some people, prayer is as real as talking to another person. And writing down what they say is the most natural thing in the world because you don't want to forget it. Right. And so um, going on with starting with prayer, um, it, there there is a spiritual dimension that, you know, you can feel or not feel, depending on your mood for the day sometimes, but you can feel some real guidance if you have the habitual, uh, if you have a, have a habit of praying. we got several little spiritual stories we want to tell you in the second half of the show, but before we go to a break, Linda, there, there's two quotes, they're my two favorites about this spiritual connection. You called it hooking up, uh, hooking into the Spirit, into God. One is in James 5 and 16, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman uh, availeth much. I love that. Availeth much. It avails something. It brings something to pass. It's real. Prayer is real. And then a more, from a more secular source, but I think equally beautiful, Tennyson said, uh, let's see, let me sh be sure I get it right. More things are wrought by prayer than this world dreams of. And I think that's a beautiful thought that, you know, we, if you say, yes, I'm a spiritual person, yes, I pray, which large majorities of Americans do, then by definition, you are saying things are wrought by prayer, brought to pass, that prayer works, there is a connection, it does happen, it does change things. Um, there's another way to bring things to pass than by doing them yourself, and it is to pray that God will do them. Right, well, or that you'll be a facilitator um, through him to get things done. And, uh, you know, sometimes it is other people, I mean, people that we love that need the help and, and and it, we need to be a conduit. So we'll take a brief break, um, and then we'll talk about, we'll tell some stories, spiritual stories. By the way, next week we're going to continue with this because we won't get through them all. And next week we'll focus more on family stories of spirituality. Today they're more personal. So brief break, we'll be right back on Ayers on the Road. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Welcome back. On Ayers on the Road, we're talking today about spiritual things. Not religious things, but, well, there's some religion involved, I guess, but, um, <laughs> but spiritual things. You know, the first, uh, an interesting question to ask yourself is, when's the, 
How early in your life, or when is the first sort of spiritual encounter or spiritual feeling that you can still remember, that you can still call to mind? For me, I I think I was five years old, and I, for some reason, remember this. Dis- well, I know why I remember it distinctly. I had a severe ear infection, a really bad one. I, I, there, my mom had a picture of me, and my head was all swollen out on one side from this ear infection. And what I remember, I guess I knew a little about a blessing, getting a blessing. We call it a priesthood blessing in, in our church. And... Um, I think this illustrates the faith of a child. We, we talk about the faith of a child, an, an unblemished child who's pure and who just believes sort of naturally. And and I said, well, and, and my mother said, well, we're going to have your dad and, and your grandfather give you a blessing to help you get over your ear infection. And what I remember distinctly is that they came and they gave me this blessing. And then I went in my bedroom and I remember calling to my mom and saying, hey, mom, um, how long does it take for the blessing to work? I'm just, uh, uh, when will I feel better? <laughs> and, and what I remember about it is I had no doubt that it would make me better, none whatsoever. <laughs> but I just wondered how long, is this like an hour thing or will it be a couple, of, you know, when will I be over this? And it was just a, a kind of a funny thing, but a beautiful feeling because I remember there was no doubt in my mind. Now, some people are better at preserving that childlike faith on into their adulthood. Others become cynical and critical and skeptical and all the rest. We all do to some degree. Right. But can we preserve it? That What's, what's the first spiritual story you remember? Um, probably the one I really remember was just the day I was baptized. And interestingly, we've, I've been online with my high school friends, too. Uh, Isn't yeah. COVID great? You're talking <laughs> to people that you don't talk to normally um, on a regular basis. And um, we were all talking about when our baptism date was. We had a wonderful friend who was not a member of our church, which sadly, she just passed away with cancer a couple of years ago, but um, in our little group. And... and um, it was really interesting because we started talking about our own baptisms and where we were and how we felt and so What's on. What's your spiritual story? And mine was just that I I just felt a light that I don't think I'd ever felt before. You were aware of it and you remember yeah. it even now. And, uh, it, you know, everybody has a different reaction. Some like, oh, I don't feel any different. But one of the my friends had a sister who said that she felt that her feet were not touching the ground anymore after she was baptized to get to her seat. She was kind of oh, floating, floating through the air. Interesting. And interestingly, she was taken early with cancer, too. She died about five years ago. Hmm. And um, you so know, everybody has a different experience. Sometimes uh, the spiritual stories take a very dramatic turn. Um, the one that comes to my mind is in London, while we were there as a mission president and wife, mission leaders for two or three hundred young men and women in our church, I was running to a meeting one day, and it was early. We'd only lived there for a month or so, and I, <laughs> this, this would be funny, except that it was nearly tragic. Uh, it's it's uh, it's hard to remember to look to the right when you step off a curb because all your life you've looked to the left first and and I was running anyway to get to this meeting and I was uh, waiting at a at a at a street 
coming to a street and I looked left and I would have run right into the road and and I felt a hand grab me the back of my coat and held me on the curb and a bus or one of those red London double-decker buses went by so close all I saw was oh. red going by mm. and and I turned to thank whoever had grabbed me and there was no one there now that's <laughs> that's quite dramatic right. but, but it really happened and I'll never forget it and well, I'll never be I'll never get over being thankful for and there are some answers that we get when we're pleading for answers with prayers and one of mine of course when we were in the mission field we had um, <clears throat> let's see we had five little kids we'd had one baby since we got there already and he was um, I don't know I guess about 15 months old but he had had, and we've talked, told this story before, a horrendous birth story with Hem a massive hemorrhage and placenta previa. Ten, nine or ten weeks early. And all that. Your life was in danger, Linda. And so then, uh, at the same time, sort of on our rotation, when we were crazy, we have nine kids. <laughs> they usually come every year and a half or two years. And uh, it was kind of coming, and I'm like, no, 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 I don't want to do this. I'm having so much fun with these missionaries. I don't, no, 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 I, I, I don't want to well, do this. You mean the feeling was coming that maybe you should have another well, baby? Well, no, the feeling was coming, I think, to you that we should have another baby. And I was saying, no, I, I know, no, I, I don't want to do that right now. And uh, we it mulled it over, mulled it over. But honestly, I had the most amazing spiritual experience with that because we fasted for a very long time. Um, this is a little bit of a, it may sound frivolous, but we sent our kids upstairs. Our oldest, Saren, was nine, I think, and we sent her upstairs with the other kids. And we said, because this is baby number six, and uh, we said, she said, well, why? Yeah, so just take the kids upstairs and <laughs> keep them quiet, keep them quiet. She said, why, why? So, so of course, <clears throat> Richard says, well, we're just deciding whether or not we're going to have another baby. <laughs> so then we went on. <laughs> And without giving a lot of detail, I had a, a absolutely stunning spiritual experience letting me know that now was the time for this baby. And not only that, he would be an angel. He would not be any trouble. And just to go with it, I just felt this warm blanket settle over me. I mean, it was absolutely stunning. And then Saren came down with the kids, and she'd had, a, a, had given Amisha a piece of paper and checked Check if you want a new baby, and they'd all, they'd all checked it. It was five to nothing in favor, so that sealed the deal. Well, and for those for those of you who have struggled with get, getting pregnant and getting babies when you want them, that's kind of not a funny story because yeah, it's and, so and difficult. It's not always not and always by that the easy. end of our babies, I know how that felt because crazy or not, it took us three years. But anyway. So um, I think I think Linda, that really leads into what we're going to talk about next week. We're going to tell some additional spiritual stories, all of which next week are going to be related to family, to whether to have a child, to what to do about a troubled marriage, to what to do to help a certain child who has difficulties, and so on, and how often that the help you need. Certainly, we should seek it through counselors and through uh, other sources but seeking it through prayer that creates some amazing spiritual stories because i think i think we believe that when it comes to being parents the best sources are heavenly parents and that's where the inspiration comes from but let's let's conclude today's show with stories about christ because 
that's where I think the deepest for us, and of course many are listening who may not be Christian, but in a Christian perspective, the deepest spiritual stories hinge directly on Christ. And I, I didn't tell you before the show I was going to do this, Linda, but you, you had an amazing experience when Christ suddenly became real to you. And ironically, it's because you were in a production that was portraying Christ, but something about being there and thinking about it in that way suddenly, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but made Christ real to you for the very first time. Yes, I was, my my mother decided that we should go to the Hilcomora pageant and participate in it one year. And those of you who are members of our church uh, know exactly what that means. I mean, it's in New York, and it's it's a every pad- year it's a, it's a pageant that yeah. centers on Christ. And, well, it centers on the Book of Mormon, right, because the Book it, of Mormon but, was... Uh, came from there and uh, so the whole it's all the story about the Book of Mormon but in the Book of Mormon and it turned out that I was in the scene where Jesus came to the people in the southern hemisphere um, because they had left Jerusalem on boats and and uh, arrived there and had been there many a long time but anyway so I was in the scene where Jesus came to those people and we had to sit on this hillside with plastic bags underneath our clothes because they had the water shooting up over us. They had these um, hoses, I mean, not hoses, but, you know, sprinklers. So that it would look like a vision. So it looked like a vision. So I was sitting this vision, and then Jesus came out by the side, and a man who looked like Jesus, all dressed in white, and uh, pronouncing the words of the Sermon on the Mount. And it was so stunning. I mean, you could hear his words on these speakers. But it wasn't. But high. it wasn't the drama of it or the play acting that captured you. It was sudden. It was something about being in it caused you to think about the reality of the real Christ in a way well, you'd never done before. It, of course. I mean, yeah. it, I, it was his words that I'd read a hundred times before, but suddenly yeah. it just became so real. And as he went there, I just thought, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is all about Jesus. I mean, duh. I was uh, in college. I was a little freshman in college. This is all about Jesus. And that was the first time that I really was born Well, you again. were born, yeah. I was going to say, was that again, was a yeah. born, and you, you were kneeling in by a hedge or something and just pouring out your soul. Well, afterwards, and, I went out. And, and that, that incredible born-again feeling. Yeah. And I think so many Christians have had that born-again feeling where they knew, at least for the moment. The hard thing about spiritual experiences is they don't stay in your me- they stay in your memory that you had them, but you can at will recreate the feeling of the Spirit being with you. So we have to have them continually. We have to have more of them in order to recall them, and and that, that and they come in different ways, Linda. Like I. Uh, we we were finishing up our time in England, and uh, uh, we had become friendly with a man named Lou Grade, Lord Grade. He was in the House of Lords, and he was a film producer, and he'd produced this magnificent eight-hour film called Jesus of Nazareth. And I was privileged to see a screening of it early on with a leader, a great leader of our church named Elder Boyd K. Packer, who had come to watch the screening, and I was so touched by it, and I felt such a personal connection to it, and and I prayed about that I could have some further involvement with that film because it was so beautiful, 
And as luck would have it, or as the spirit would have it, when we finished our three years, we had no, we, I had closed my company. I didn't have any job to go back to. And lo and behold, this, this Lord Grade, this film producer, asked me if I would write a marketing plan for that film worldwide. And it was a spiritual experience and a financial blessing because it carried us over until we reestablished ourselves. Yeah, and it was now, an answer to prayer. Absolutely an answer to prayer. And, and thinking back on that, that that's one of our favorite films of all time. It was it was so perfectly done. And but it was it depicted Christ so beautifully. But now we are in a new era and we're gonna continue this on next week where we have a new film about Jesus, which is so different from that one. That but we're really addicted to, and some of you may be watching It's called it. The Chosen. And, it's uh, the first series, I think, that's ever been done on Christ, yes, where there's episodes. Right. And first series done by members not of the church that of is advertised church, yeah. in Deseret Book. <laughs> and we love it. It is such a delightful Well, show. it's it, because, again, I wanted to end on this theme. It's one of those things where the... The, the spirit of Christ can come to you in prayer. It can come to you at a moment of need. It can come to you through a film. It can come to you through a pageant that you were in that day. However, it comes to us, the consciousness of Christ and the sense of humility and, and worship that comes over us is for us the most profound kind of spiritual experience. It really is. Well, we hope you've been thinking about your own spiritual experiences as we've talked today and continue that because we're going to do one more week of these, these amazing experiences that really change our lives. See you next time on Ours on the Road. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye.